2 Peter, chapter 3, verses 1 to 10. Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I've written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Saviour through your apostles. Above all, you must understand that in the last days scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming, he promised. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also, the world of that, of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar, the elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. This is God's word. Morning, everyone. Uh, my name's Scott. A very warm welcome uh, to Christchurch. We're looking at, at 2 Peter, as we've just had read. Uh, let me pray uh, as we come to it this morning. Let's pray together. Father, we praise you that the things written here are written for our good and for our instruction, that we might live differently, that we might trust that Jesus will return in glory. And we pray in his name. Amen. Um, in certain situations, remembering rightly um, is a matter of life and death, uh, isn't it? Um, I don't know if you, it's a few years old now, but the, the uh, BBC series Human Planet, there's some extraordinary stories uh, in that uh, about people groups all around the world. One in particular uh, was about a group of uh, a tribe in, in Niger, in West Africa, um, who twice a year would trek across uh, hundreds of kilometers of the Sahara Desert. Um, with, uh, with no sat-navs, um, with no maps. Uh, they, would, uh, they were guided just by the stars and by their memories. Um, so the memory of the route that they take is passed down from generation uh, to generation. Uh, interestingly, it's only the, it's only the women uh, who make the journey because the men aren't good enough navigators uh, to do it. They, they would be lost, uh, dead in the desert somewhere. Only, uh, only these women uh, uh, make the journey. And there are several wells along the way, and obviously in the desert, the most important thing is finding water. Uh, you can't carry all the water that you need for the whole journey, so you've got to stop along the way at these wells that are sort of a, a meter square um, in, in this vast uh, desert. And so you've got to remember uh, where they are. If you get it wrong, if you miss them uh, by just a few hundred meters, uh, you'll, you'll die. The whole, the whole caravan, uh, the whole group will die. To remember. Uh, the way to the well is a matter of life and death. And what we'll look at uh, this morning in, in 2 Peter 3 is of, of a similar scale. Um, it is a matter of life and death uh, for, uh, for believers. If you're, if you're joining us, just a reminder of where we're up to in 2 Peter. Uh, 2 Peter is basically uh, a letter written to remind the Christians that Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. He will return. So chapter one, 
uh, Peter showed us that we can be certain that Jesus will come back because we've got the testimony of the apostles who were eyewitnesses and the testimony of the prophets uh, who are reliable. Chapter 2, we we saw last week, uh, there are false teachers in the midst of these truths that we can hold on to. There are those who will say, it's all a load of rubbish. And these false teachers will will tell lies and will drag people away from the truth uh, with their lies. Um, It is that serious. This week, uh, as we come into chapter 3, Peter wants to remind the Christians to remember rightly. Remember rightly. And that's where he kicks off in in verse 2. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. He's saying, remember what was said. Remember what has been said. You can trust it. And so we must remember these things. It's, it's not a sort of, oh, remember to put the bins out uh, on a Sunday night because otherwise they won't get collected. That doesn't really matter, that sort of remembering. This sort of remembering is a matter of life and death. And so in the bulk of the passage uh, this morning, Peter does two things. He, 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 deal, he tells them what they're going to have to deal with, what the lies are, and he tells them how they should deal with it, what they have to deal with and how they should deal with it. Um, the first thing we'll see is, is the thing they have to deal with, that scoffers will come. Scoffers will come. Look down at verse 3. Above all, you must understand that in, the last, in these last days, scoffers will come. Scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming, he promised. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. The problem that the the Christians have to deal with is that scoffers uh, will come. These false teachers that Peter's been talking about, they're not just sort of um, polite uh, academic types, sort of writing a very reasoned argument uh, for why Jesus won't come back. You know, they're scoffers. They think that the idea that Jesus will return is, is just ridiculous. Uh, and they will, they'll laugh at anyone who claims that that's true. We sort of get that, don't we? I mean, if you're, if you're known as a Christian in your workplace, I guess you'll often be the, the butt of the jokes. If you, uh, when you try and share uh, the Christian message uh, with friends or family, I guess we've all had that, that scoffing sort of reaction. Sure, I mean, most people sort of put on a facade of politeness, no thank you, but underneath, they do think you're nuts. They will scoff. Um, I was helping out at the Imperial CU Mission Week. Uh, we were praying, praying for the UCCF Mission Week, so I was at Imperial uh, for a few days this week. And, you know, most people are sort of polite on the surface. Uh, you know, they'll sort of stop, stop to chat for a minute. But as soon as you, we were posing them this question, who is Jesus? Um, who do you think Jesus is as a way of sort of engaging conversations? And most people just sort of went, eh, I don't know, and sort of, you know, wandered off sort of sniggering. You know, what, what a ridiculous question to even ask. Why does that matter? I'm at Imperial College. I've got to, you know, I've got important lectures to go to. Don't ask me things like, who is Jesus? Goffing. And I, I guess for, for many of us these days, the sort of people we're talking about won't just scoff at the idea that Jesus is coming back. And they'll probably scoff at the very idea that that there even is a God. Never mind that, that this God came to earth and died and rose again. 
don't even get started on one day he's going to come back uh, in judgment. Scoffers will come. Uh, That is the norm. It has been the norm uh, since Jesus uh, ascended into heaven. It will be the norm until he returns. But see, the reason that people scoff, it's not just just an intellectual uh, objection. They they scoff at the idea that Jesus will return because it suits them uh, to believe that Jesus won't return. What do we mean by that? Well, Peter says, verse 3, that when these scoffers come, they will come scoffing and following their own evil desires. See, the scoffer's denial isn't just an intellectual one. It is a moral one. If I dismiss the truth that Jesus is coming back, then I can make my life about what I want it to be about. If, If where this world is heading is uncertain, we just don't know, well, then I can make my happiness or my fulfillment at the end goal, all of life shaped around that. I can justify doing what I want. And if there is no judgment, it doesn't really matter what I do here and now, not as long as I get away with it or don't hurt others. What, what reason do they have for thinking that, these scoffers? They'll come scoffing, but why? Why do they think that? Verse, um, verse 4, second half of verse 4. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. That's their, that's their reasoning. And I guess that, that reasoning has a certain logic to it, doesn't it? I mean, if we, if we just look at the world around us, it, just, it does seem to just go round and round. The sun rose this morning. It'll set this evening and rise again tomorrow. Monday morning inevitably comes round again. Spring uh, follows winter eventually. Um, Brexit uncertainty rumbles on and on and on. And history just repeats itself, doesn't it? Kingdoms rise, kingdoms fall. Leaders, they come and go. Scientific constants, will they remain sort of constant? That's the whole idea. The world, it does just seem so unchanging, doesn't it? Maybe it will never change. I mean, sure, things might change slowly, you know, by, by, by increment, by degree. But will it really change fundamentally? I guess that's a pretty common view um, of people today. Uh, not, just, not just out in, in the world, but many Christians uh, functionally live as if Jesus isn't coming back, as if the world will just go on and on and on. It's only if I know that Jesus is coming back that I will live differently, that I will invest at my time and my energy and my money differently now. The, um, the scoffer's reasoning, it has a certain logic. If this world is what determines reality. But the claim at the very heart of the Christian message is that it's not the world that determines reality, but the word. God's word. Reality is not determined by what we see. It is determined by what God has said to us. 
And see, if that's true, then the, the logic of the scoffer is just, it just falls apart. So having told us uh, that we're going to have to deal with these scoffers, these scoffers will come, uh, Peter urges us not to make their mistakes. See, the scoffers, they've forgotten three things, and so Peter urges us not to forget three things. Don't forget God's word brings life and judgment, God's clock isn't broken, and God's coming will expose you. Those are the three things we're going to see that we must not forget. These are matters of life and death uh, to us. So don't forget, uh, first of all, that God's word brings judgment and life. Verses five to seven. Let me read them again. But they, that's the scoffers, deliberately forget that long ago by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also, the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. See, Peter says, it is not the world that determines reality, but God's word. At creation, it was God's word that brought life out of nothing. In Genesis 1, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. God speaks and creation begins, life begins. It was God that spoke creation into being, and so life belongs to him. It is in his hands. And so God's word brings life, Peter says, but, but it also brings judgment. God is the creator, but he is also the judge. And if you were with us back in the summer, we looked at this story. We looked at the story of Noah and the flood from Genesis 6. There, uh, God said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I have created. See, just as God's word had brought life, it had also brought judgment. Judgment on the wickedness of the world. And so Peter says, if you know God has done that, which you do, if you know, uh, if you know the Old Testament, if you know that, then you know God will do it again. It's a bit like this. Um, Phil was very gracious not to mention any results from sport yesterday. He just talked about sport in the generic. That was, I thought that was very gracious of him. I wondered where that was going. Um, if, you, if, you, um, if you didn't follow the rugby yesterday, uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't a great day if you're an Irishman uh, because England won. Every time uh, the ball uh, got into Avunapola brothers' hands, you knew what was coming. Okay? There's two of them on the team, and they're big guys. Every time the ball comes to them, you know what is coming. Hard smash. They're going to smash down the middle. They're not going to do anything clever. They're not going to dink round. They're just going to smash right up the middle. Every time it gets into one of their hands, you know what's coming. That's what they do time and time again. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised, Irish defense. They were a bit surprised several times. <laughs> um, but, but they shouldn't have been. They could have watched back the tapes. They could have known this is what is going to happen. Peter says a bit like that. God has judged before. He has judged the world before. He will do it again. Look at verse 7. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. So just as God's word brought judgment then, 
So his word will bring uh, judgment on the present heavens and earth on the day when he comes to judge. Not by water this time, but by fire. See, the mistake that the scoffers have made is to deliberately forget uh, that God will judge. I guess that's easy to do. They, They probably just don't like the idea that God will judge. And so they get out their Bibles and they just, they just score a line uh, through all the bits that, that they don't really like, all the bits that talk about judgment. I mean, God's not like that, is he? At least not, not the God I follow. I don't, I, don't, I don't really like to think of God like that, so I'll just rub it out. The very idea that Jesus might come back it becomes laughable. You see, you see how they end up saying Jesus isn't coming back. God's not going to judge. Then there's no need for Jesus to come back. See how, how contemporary uh, the, the message of these scoffers is. It, it, it could come straight from a, a Radio 2 pause for thought. We hear it every day. Um, it sounds appealing, doesn't it? Um, sometimes, sometimes we want to believe it. I mean, wouldn't it be easier uh, to talk to uh, colleagues about the gospel if we didn't have to start with judgment, or at least mention judgment? Can't we just think about the nice bits uh, and, and leave all that sort of judgment stuff aside? Well, Peter says that's exactly what the scoffers have done. And so they've fallen into false teaching. God hasn't changed. His word hasn't changed. His word brings life, but it also brings judgment. So, so to forget that, to, you know, to deliberately put that aside, is not only wrong, um, it is dangerous. So Peter says, don't make the same mistake as these scoffers. Don't forget that God's word brings life and judgment. That's the first thing he reminds them. The second thing, uh, he says to them, is, is don't forget that God's clock isn't broken, verses 8 and 9. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Again, you can, you can sort of see the logic of the scoffer's argument. God promised that Jesus would return, but it hasn't happened yet. So maybe God got it wrong. Maybe God's forgotten. I mean, come on, God, if, if you're coming back, get on with it. Maybe he's sort of lost track of time or missed his train or, I don't know, you know his, his clock has stopped and so he doesn't know what time it is. I was pretty frustrated going home uh, over the new year to my, uh, my parents' house. All the clocks tell a different time. Not, not, there are not two clocks in the whole house uh, that tell the same time. Some of them don't work at all. Some of them just stuck at five past six. Uh, and it's very confusing uh, if, you don't know what, if you don't know what time it is. If the clocks are all broken. Maybe God is just confused. If Jesus hasn't returned yet, maybe, maybe he's not coming at all. Maybe God got all confused. But see, again, the, the scoffers have made the mistake of underestimating God. That's how they got there. 
How have they got there? Well, well, they've thought that, that God sees time the way that we see it. It's the sort of classic scenario, isn't it? The sort of, are we nearly there yet scenario. Are we nearly there yet? No, dear, we've, we've just set off. We've still got a long way to go before we reach our destination. But we've been in the car forever. Well, actually, we've been in the car for 20 minutes. See, when you're a child, your, your perspective on time is, is totally different. We sort of know that. We sort of know they have a, a skewed view of time. Well, how much more limited is our perspective than God's? See how foolish it would be to think that, that God should somehow work to my timetable. That as I look at the world and think, oh, Jesus hasn't returned yet, that means that God must, God must be slow. We don't get to decide how God acts, when God acts, when Jesus returns. Because we don't see things. We cannot see things from God's perspective. He created time. He isn't bound by it. And so Peter says, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years. And a thousand years is like a day. God is eternal. He has always been. He will always be. And so from the perspective of eternity, there is no slow, there is no delay. Peter says, not that God is slow, it is that he is patient. Back in the Old Testament, there is one way in which God is slow. Uh, in Exodus 34, uh, when God proclaims his name uh, and his character to Moses, he says this. He says, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. God is a God who is angry at human sin. He will judge, but he is slow to anger. He is patient. He is giving people time to repent. You see, the scoffers, they don't get that, do they? They look at the delay in Jesus' return and they think, God's slow. He's not coming. He's forgotten. And we can do what we want. You see the horrible irony of, of that view? God is being patient with people so that they might repent. But people take that time, people take that patience and do what they want with it. Peter's telling us this, to say, don't be like that. Don't use God's patience for sin. When you're tempted to think that Jesus isn't coming back, and that he's taking his time, don't mistake his patience for slowness. So think of it this way. I don't know where you'll be uh, tomorrow morning, uh, maybe at work or taking kids to school, wherever you are. Why has, why has God given you another Monday morning, another one? Well, it is because he is patient that we might repent. If you're a Christian already, you know, it's, not a, it's not a sort of initial repentance, not saying, you know, come to faith. It's saying, keep on repenting, keep on turning to him in repentance and faith. The reason Jesus hasn't returned is to give you and me uh, more time 
to repent. That, that is a, a totally different way to how we view Monday morning. Now, that would, that would change, I think, what you did tomorrow morning. If you saw it as, as God's patient, pretty sure it would, it would change my priorities, the, the things that, that, that were on my list to do uh, the next day, the things that I want to achieve with my day, the things I want to look back on and say, oh, yeah, today has been a good day. Peter says, don't, don't think that God's clock isn't, is, is broken. It's not. He knows exactly what time it is. He is patient uh, with you. Don't forget then that God's clock isn't broken. And finally, thirdly and finally, God's coming will expose you. Look down at verse 10 again. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. See, the, the scoffers have made yet another mistake. They think that because they don't know when Jesus will return, well, that's yet another reason to believe it won't happen at all. They don't, they don't know. They can't pinpoint a date and so, well, we'll just stack off the whole idea. See, what they've done is they've forgotten what Jesus said about his own return. Jesus talked quite a lot about his coming back. Uh, Luke 12, um, if you're reading through the, the CCM year, uh, New Testament in a year plan, you'll come to Luke 12 a couple of weeks ago. In Luke 12, Jesus said, the day he returns will be like a thief. He will come back when we're not expecting it. See, the scoffers think if Jesus is going to return, we'll get plenty of warning. It'll be fine. We'll have plenty of time uh, to think about it. It'll be a bit like, um, it'll be a bit like Home Alone. Don't know if you watched Home Alone over Christmas, uh, but you know, in Home Alone, Kevin, the little boy, Macaulay Culkin, he knows that the thieves are coming, and so he's able to prepare uh, the house. Isn't he? He's able to, I don't know, whatever he does, put super glue on the floor or slippy paint on the floor. He's able to 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 get the iron. Um, sort of on a rope so that he can swing it at them when they come up the stairs. He's got time to prepare because he, he, he knows they're coming. They're coming tonight. And he knows that. But that's not, that's not how most burglaries go, is it? That's why they don't make a film about most uh, burglaries, just, just this one in Home Alone. When, when the thief comes, uh, he comes, he takes us by surprise. That's what will happen when Jesus returns. We won't know about it until it's happening. So you see the foolishness of trying to work out when it is um, so that you can sort of cheat it somehow, get around it. You sort of get this every now and then, don't you? And you get some, somebody or other claiming uh, that they know the exact date that Jesus will come back. Or write it down, everyone. It's you know sixth of March, twenty nineteen. Get ready. And, and and people get people get sucked in by that. People believe that and get carried away. But as soon as you hear someone claim, "Oh, I know the exact date," well, that's a pretty easy one. <clears throat> False teacher. Because Jesus said, "No one will know." It will come like a thief. It will come as a surprise. 
But when it happens, you'll know about it. The results on that day will be unmistakable. Look how he describes it. On that day, the heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and everything done in it will be laid bare. This world that looks so permanent, just like that, it will be gone. Everything that we prize now, everything that we cling on to, everything that we use to sort of prove ourselves to the world, be gone. And so Jesus' coming will, will expose us in that way. Our lives will be seen for what they truly are. For the non-believer, that is a, that is a terrifying, a terrifying prospect. To have your life laid bare before the coming Christ. Where there'll be no more hiding behind other things. There'll be no more dodging at God. So if, if that is you, if you're, if you're not a believer here this morning, let me urge you to, to heed the warning of 2 Peter. Jesus will return. And he'll return in judgment. Don't just laugh the idea off. Don't just scoff at the very idea. Don't, don't think it will never happen. Jesus will return. And when he does, all that will matter is, is whether or not you have trusted in Christ. If, if you are trusting uh, in Christ, then that day, that day when he returns, will be, well, it'll be terrifying, but it will also be wonderful. As everything on this earth is, is laid bare, as we're exposed, the only thing left will be that, that you have trusted in Christ. That will be all you have to cling on to. But that is all you will need on that day. And so on that day, the, the faith that you've, you've clung to and you've kept going in, uh, even though it's, at times it's felt so fragile, that faith will be turned to sight as Christ returns. So don't forget that that is where the world is heading. Don't be pulled in by the lies of the false teachers in the world around us that says it's not going to happen. Scoffers will come. People have always, always scoffed at the idea that Jesus is going to come back. But Christian, do not forget that Jesus will return. He will return to judge, and he will return to bring life. God has set a time for Jesus to return, and his, his clock's not broken. He's not being slow. He is being patient with you. So today and tomorrow, Jesus hasn't returned. Turn to him in repentance and faith. Use God's patience for what he's given it for. Not for sin, but for repentance. Next week, as we look at the second half of chapter 3, we will think more about how do we live in light of, of this coming? How do we live? But for now, uh, we're going to turn in a moment to, to share the Lord's Supper, which is 
I guess among many other things, a, a visual reminder, uh, a, a help to us to remember, to remember the things that are most important that we are so quick to forget. And as we eat and drink together, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. In sharing it, we, we affirm that this world is not all that there is, that Jesus will return. And we affirm that we haven't forgotten that. We trust in it. As we, as we turn to the Lord's Supper, let me, let me pray. Our Father, we, can, we confess that so often we, we don't think that Jesus is going to come back, or, or we forget it at the very least. This world looks so permanent and so lasting. Father, please would you remind us of these things that are so important and yet we are so quick to forget. Remind us that Jesus will come back, that you are coming. Bring life and to bring judgment. That you have set a date. Father, help us to live in light of that. Help us to know that when everything is laid bare, the only thing that will matter is that we have trusted in Christ, held firm to him and persevered to the end. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.